to instill lessons to our kids. Uh, Work hard, uh, do your best, play fair, don't give up, be kind. There are two, though, that maybe rise to the top of the list. Two words, or sorry, three words, two phrases, please and thank you. Please often precedes a request. And for forever, it has been the right answer to the question, what's the magic word? Please. Now, while please does express courtesy and politeness, it's not necessarily biblical. I mean, imagine if Moses came off the mountain and said, God said, please have no other gods before me. Or or Jesus, if he had said, a new commandment I give to you, please love one another. It just doesn't work. Now, nevertheless, please is important, and the implications of please are certainly throughout Scripture. Same is true with thank you. Not only is it polite, but more, it actually holds biblical weight. You see, in the Bible, we read about thankfulness, this call to express thankfulness to God. Now, we know this. We know that we are called to be thankful and to be thankful to God and to be thankful to others and for what we have. The concept of thankfulness appears 102 times throughout the Old Testament, nearly 200 times throughout the entire Bible. Paul himself would say it more than 40 times in his epistles. So we get it. Thankfulness, appreciation, gratefulness, it's a big deal in our faith. And we know that we have much to be grateful for. But as Christians, are we? Are we thankful? I mean, someone opens the door for you and you automatically say, thank you. Your barista hands you your coffee out the window and you say, thank you. But when it comes to spiritual thankfulness, how do you do? As followers of Jesus called to a posture of thankfulness, how are we doing when it comes to beyond open doors and cups of coffee? It begs the question, are we spiritually thankful or spiritually expectant? Are we spiritually thankful or spiritually expectant? And there is a clear difference between the two. Now, generally, we are a thankful people. In fact, recently, Penn State did a really interesting survey. They asked 100 people a very simple question. What are you thankful for? And the answer is they were across the board. Everything from the sentimental to the practical to the economical to the spiritual. Some of the answers included Lizzie, age 7. I am thankful that everyone in my family loves me. Joanne, a college student, said, I'm thankful that finals are finally over. Stephen, age 12, said, I'm thankful for Fridays because there's no homework on the weekend. Amanda, a mom of three and a wife of a soldier serving overseas, said, I'm thankful I get to see my husband in three days and introduce him to his new baby girl. Jennifer, an executive in New York City, said, I'm thankful for elevators. I work on the 83rd floor. Bill, a five-time cancer survivor, said, I'm thankful to be alive. And Gordon, a homeless vet, 
said, I'm thankful for a warm place to sleep tonight. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow, but I'm thankful for tonight. We talk about perspective, everything from a homework-free weekend to another day living cancer-free. And these are all legitimate things to be thankful for. But what about our everyday lives? When Jesus shows up in big and small ways for us in life, without realizing it, we can easily default from a thankfulness to an expectancy. Take me, for example. I live near our Skagit campus down in Mount Vernon, and so today, this morning, I expected to make the drive from there to here, arriving on time and without getting in an accident, without getting a ticket. And I did. But was I thankful upon my safe arrival here at Cornwall? Not a chance. <laughs> think, think earlier today. I expected to wake up sometime in the 6 o'clock hour to get out and go for a walk and to have some quiet time, and I did. But did thankfulness cross my mind did I find myself grateful for the roof over my head and the heat in my home and the food in my fridge? Did I find myself thankful that I actually got to wake up today, that God saw it fit to give me one more day on earth? Sadly, no. I just expected that to be true. And it's not that I'm not a thankful person. It's not that you're not thankful people, because I am, and I'm sure you are too. But if we aren't intentional with our appreciation, we can become unintentionally complacent. And then our thank you is just words. Our appreciation is just a feeling. Martin Luther would say this. He'd say, gratitude should be a basic Christian attitude. Gratitude should be a basic Christian attitude. In other words, thankfulness should be a base-level Christian value. We should operate with an active thankfulness in all we do, in how we act, in what we say. You see, this message is not just for November and for Thanksgiving. Spiritual thankfulness is a year-round practice. And so today, as we continue in this series, looking at selected psalms, we're going to look at Psalm 100. This psalm is simply titled, A Psalm of Thanksgiving in Your Bible. It's the only psalm in the book of Psalms with this title. Now, the Bible will mention the word thanksgiving about 25 times based on your translation. But in the Bible, thanksgiving is not talking about a once-a-year family gathering. Instead, thanksgiving refers to an active, ongoing expression of praise to God. In Psalm 100, Dave writes about David why do we call him Dave? I did that last night too. We're on a first name basis. Dave. <laughs> Dave wrote this. David wrote about Thanksgiving. <laughs> just five verses. We can cut that out, right? Okay, good. In just five verses, how we can be spiritually thankful. Okay. David wrote this. Shout to the Lord, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. In just 79 words, David provides a blueprint for how it is we can show our spiritual appreciation and gratitude and why. He begins this way. He says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Now, if you are over 40 and you grew up in church and you listened to Christian radio in the early 90s, this should sound familiar. It's one of those, one of the many psalms that turned into songs, Darlene Sheck turned this passage into a worship song of the same name. Remember it? Shout to the Lord, all the earth, I'm singing a solo. Okay, yes, that's the song, Shout to the Lord. Darlene Sheck would make it famous. Back to the psalm. Now, unlike previous psalms, he did something a little different in this opening of Psalm 100. But from Psalm 1 to 99, he would start out with a declaration about God about his sovereignty, about his character. He's already established who God is, his kingship, his rule of the earth, his creation, his divinity, his being the rock of salvation. Verse 1 then of Psalm 100 starts differently, as if to say, based on everything I've said in the first 99 Psalms, then this. It begins with a very simple and direct call for all to praise God with a joyful shout. All the earth, everyone, we're all being called to recognize who the Lord is. And we're called to worship with gladness. This gladness that comes from the joy only experienced by those in relationship with Jesus. In other words, if you are part of God's family, he's talking to you. David says, come before him. He suggests a reverence. Come before the throne of Jesus, a, a submission to God. And this is not done out of obligation. This is done out of gratitude or thankfulness. He continues in verse 3. He says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, oftentimes we see no in scripture and it's referring to an intellectual understanding. But here, no is in reference to an admission or a confession. David is saying more than just knowing that the Lord is God, we're to confess it. We're to confess it as we come before him. So what are we confessing? Well, as we look at the scripture, really there's three things. Number one, that the Lord is God. The Lord is the Lord of the universe, the Lord of all things, of all time, beginning and end, the Almighty, Yahweh. No one is greater than him. The Lord is God, one. Number two is that he made us. He is the ultimate creator. And three, possibly most important, is that we are his. He made us. Now, this is not something to miss. We aren't like that Lego creation that you built and then it's now collecting dust on the shelf not to be touched or altered or disassembled. In fact, it is the opposite. 
We are his and he made us. This reference speaks to a possession, an active possession. God didn't just create you and then leave you. It's way more than that. We belong to him. We are his sons. We are his daughters. We have a belonging in the family of God. He didn't just create us and then let us go. He made us and we are his. It's a present, ongoing tense. And just to make sure that we got this, he gives us his illustrative word picture as sheep needing a shepherd. Now, this illustration should be familiar to you. It is not unique to Psalm 100. Later in John 10, Jesus would say the same, that he was the good shepherd, that he knows his sheep, that he would protect and guide them. And in turn, those sheep know his voice and they trust him. You see, we are uniquely created by and presently cared for by God. And so if you need to dust off your spiritual thankfulness, let it start there. This is the source of our thankfulness. In fact, we could stop right there, but that would make for a 12-minute sermon, and I'd never hear the end of it from Pastor Bob. Plus, we got more to go. So we continue on. David continues, he says, based on all that now, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise and give him pray and, and give thanks to him and praise his name. Okay, I'm going out on a limb here. Here's another worship song flashback. This is actually even older than shout to the Lord. This is when there weren't side screens. And if you were in church Likely you had someone on stage with the overhead projector and the transparencies. Anybody? Yeah. yeah, okay. So you remember Psalm 104, there's a song based on this, right? Help me out. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I need to tambourine. I will say this is the day that the Lord had. Okay, yeah, you got it. All right. Oh, Ron and Sarah, you better watch out. I'm just saying right there. All right, back to the psalm. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The language here referencing the different levels of access to the temple, but the psalm's encouragement is like, toss it out the window. I want everyone there, all the earth, everyone to come into the courts and gates to come to worship as one, as if to say, come on, everybody. Let's together go as one and worship and thank God for all he has done. And consider what David is actually inviting us to, an unlimited access to God, to come to the Lord, to stand at the base of his throne. And again, this, is, this thanksgiving is not out of obligation. It's out of a desire. We ought to be rushing towards those gates busting through to offer our thanks. David, in his last verse of Psalm 100, closes this way. He says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He would repeat this in Psalm 106. Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love 
endures forever. He would say this again in Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. He would repeat this again in Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. If it is not clear to you, David is saying, get this church Give thanks because why? God is good and his love and faithfulness are forever. He doesn't say God is good sometimes and God is faithful on occasion. God is good, period, and his love and faithfulness are forever, period. You see, there's a great simplicity to Psalm 100. It serves as a reminder and the reasoning for our response to God through thankfulness. And when we step back and look at these five verses, really it is one complete thought. David offers first ways to be thankful. Make a joyful noise, serve the Lord, come before, enter his gates, be thankful, bless his name. And then he also gives us reasons to be thankful. The Lord is God. He's made us. We're his people. He is good. His mercy is everlasting. His love will endure forever. And I don't know about you, but Psalm 100 is the kick in the rear I need sometimes to jolt me out of my routine of gratefulness and to move me into spiritual thankfulness. In its five short verses, Psalm 100 reminds us of the who, the what, and the why for your spiritual thankfulness. But, but what about the how? If you've ever heard me teach here at Cornwall, you know that I'm all about practical application. How is it we can take what we glean from God's word and take that into Monday and then into Tuesday and then into our workplace? So let's dive in to the how for the balance of our time together. How do we become more spiritually thankful? Not because we have to, not because the rules say so, but out of a heart to and a want to, desire to, in our very finite way, to show our thankfulness to our infinite God. I think there's a couple ways. First, I think you need to let your thankfulness be expressive. Let your thankfulness be expressive. Back in November, around Thanksgiving, a video went viral. And it's a video of a family at their Thanksgiving dinner table. The reason it went viral was because of the youngest son and his sharing about things he was thankful for. Everyone around the table had shared what they were thankful for. When it got to this young man, he got so overwhelmed with what he was thankful for, he just kind of kept going and going and going and emotions kicked in and mom pulled out her phone to capture this moment. Take a look. Everything I have. So it's just like, I 
seen that video in November and watching it over and over and, and I couldn't help but smile because I thought to myself, whatever this kid is thankful for, he is all in. What if our thankfulness of Jesus was the same? To have zero regard for anyone or anything around us so that we can really express our appreciation to the Lord. David tells us to be expressive. Our worship ought not be passive. In fact, in the first two verses, he gives us four action steps. He says, shout, worship, enter, and give. Shout, worship, enter, and give. To shout, to not whisper, to not mumble, but to speak aloud. Charles Spurgeon would say, our God ought to be worshiped by people with a cheerful spirit. We're called to shout with joy the reference here of people shouting with joy was actually for people there that when the king would pass by, they would shout to him. That's the kind of shouting we're talking about. Yes, there is a time and place for quiet, reflective response to God. This is not it. He's calling you to joyfully shout, to get pumped up, to exclaim, to rejoice. So for the most timid person, to the most outgoing person in the room, to the introvert and the extrovert, you are called to be a cheerful shouter. You're called to worship, to acknowledge, to give praise. There are 575 references to praise and singing and music in the Bible. And at the very center of your Bible is the book we're looking at, the book of Psalms. From the beginning, music has been an essential link between God and his people. It's why here at Cornwall Church, worship is not just music. Ron and Sarah don't just pick songs out of a hat. They're lining you up, linking up your heart with what you're going to hear through the teaching. It is important that we enter into that time of worship intentionally. And then we're called to enter and give more indicators that our thankfulness is not stagnant. It requires action. Psalm 9.1 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will give. I will tell. Paul would write in Ephesians 5.19 and 20, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Sing, make music, give thanks, give, tell, shout, worship, enter, give. Let your thankfulness be expressive. Second, let your thankfulness be intentional. Let your thankfulness be intentional. It's really important that we as Christ followers lead the way, that we direct our thankfulness to Christ because he's the only one that deserves it. Culture would tell you to give credit to and to thank Mother Nature and, and karma and success and your lineage, possibly even luck. 
But when's the last time Mother Nature created someone? When's the last time success shepherded someone? When's the last time luck loved someone? We are called to have a targeted, outward, expressive thankfulness, which requires your intentionality. Speaking specifically how it is that you can thank God for all he's doing around you. I love this question posed by William Arthur Ward. The question is, God gave you a gift of 86,400 seconds today. Have you used one to say thank you? Now, my wife, Shauna, man, she's an all-star at this. Shauna is consistently, intentionally thanking Jesus. Ask my kids, and they will tell you the same. When something, anything goes right, she will pause and aloud say, thank you, Jesus. Now, recently, she did this for something that I thought was inconsequential, and I muttered something to that fact, and her response was, Brian... Why would you not give Jesus the credit and thank him? Ugh. <laughs> Needless to say, she was right. The good news for me is I am not the first one to get it wrong when it came to thanking Jesus. Think back to Luke's account. Jesus healing the 10 lepers. Jesus traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He's going in this village and the 10 lepers start shouting to him, Jesus, master, have pity on us. He says to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them came back. Jesus calls it out. I love it. He says, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Author Charles Brown offers his take on why the other nine didn't show up that one was probably waiting to see if the cure was real. One was saying they were getting well anyway. One said they gave their glory to the priests. One was already much improved. One wanted to see if it would last. And one said, I'll see Jesus later. The lesson here is intentionality. Intentionally be the one. Paul in his letter to the Colossians would speak to the same thing. He would say, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The key word here is whatever. It's whatever. You might be, it's thanks, it's thanks, it's thanks. No, it's, it's, it's whatever. You see, whatever is all-encompassing. It includes everything. So in all that you do, intentionally give thanks to God. So first, let your thankfulness be expressive. Second, let it be intentional. And third, and most difficult, let your thankfulness be without condition. Let your thankfulness be without condition. Because of who God is, our response ought to be thankfulness always. But because of who we are, that is a lot easier said than done. I remember this story that I think my father-in-law told me once about two men walking through their field and they spotted in the distance this enraged bull. And they started darting toward the nearest fence knowing they needed to get out 
of this bull's way. As the bull was storming toward them in hot pursuit, John said to the other guy, send up a prayer, we're in for it. The other guy said, I've never prayed out loud in my life. And he said, well, you must. The bull is catching up on us. And so the other farmer said, I'll say the only prayer I've ever heard, O Lord, for what we're about to receive, let us be truly thankful. (laughs) You see, being thankful without condition is rough. This engages us at our selfish, human-minded level because we like conditions. We're conditional people, but God is not a conditional God. He loves always. He's present always. He's listening always. And so David, in return, is saying, hey, the least we can do in the story that God has written for you is be thankful in it. Paul in 1 Thessalonians would say this, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Notice the word is in, not for. It's critical in its difference. God says to give thanks in everything, but not for everything. Give thanks in the difficulty, but not necessarily for the difficulty. Give thanks in everything shows that our faith in God is bigger than what we're facing. James, the half-brother of Jesus, knew this. He would write in his letter that we're going to have difficulties in life. But we should be glad and look at those difficulties as blessings. Paul who was shipwrecked and beaten and left for dead and abandoned and jailed, would say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And Job, the man who God allowed to lose everything, everything, and in the very end, he, through his trials, was thankful in the suffering. Sure, we would love a life Without bumps and smooth sailing, we could all be really thankful for a life like that. But we know that's just not the case. And so the challenge for us is to find a heart of spiritual thankfulness in the midst of challenge and valleys. You've likely heard the name Corey Ten Boom. In her book, uh, The Hiding Place, she talks about surviving the Holocaust and writes about an impossible moment when she had to engage thankfulness. In the book, she talks about she and her sister being transferred to one of the worst prison camps of the time. And upon arriving, they found it to be overcrowded and infested with fleas. Her sister, Betsy, wanted to have a posture of thanksgiving, and so every day would pray with thankfulness for their living conditions. Corey refused until she finally gave in. Over the course of their stay, they would be able to hold Bible studies and prayer meetings and answer questions about God. And only later would they learn that the Nazi officers refused to enter the barracks because of the fleas. The fleas kept them safe And dozens of women got to hear the comforting, life-giving, hope-giving word of God. You see, sometimes blessings do come out of adversity. For Corey, 
It was fleas. But for the person who's battling cancer, and you know who you are, for the person facing possible closure of your business, you know who you are. For the person who is losing a parent, you know who you are. For the person who lost a child, you know who you are. For the person attempting to buy and sell a home for the third or fourth time, for the person arranging a marital separation tomorrow, for the person desperate for a way out of addiction, for the person sinking in a pile of unpayable bills, for the person waiting after six years for a medical diagnosis, for the person silently battling depression, you know who you are. And for you, I want to say that God is bigger. God is with you. He has not abandoned you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. And I know, even as I say this, it feels counterintuitive, but fight for a spiritual thankfulness. Fight for a spiritual thankfulness. Giving thanks unconditionally in times of trial allows us to see that God still shows up and he'll bless you in different ways. David Jeremiah would say this, no matter what our circumstances, we can find a reason to be thankful. No matter what. How do we know? What's the reason? God. God created you. God chose you. God cares for you. God loves you. God is faithful forever. Gratitude produces deep joy because we know that God is working in us even through the difficulty. Being thankful requires a shift in our thinking and remembering that God uses the worst for his glory in your story. So, where, where do we end this? We end with how we began, with the question, are you spiritually thankful or are you spiritually expectant? I told you that there was a difference. You see, when we default to being spiritually expectant, we're consumers. God turns into this divine vending machine. We ask, he provides, we walk away, until next time. However, when we're spiritually thankful, we're in relationship with the Lord and everything changes because we can find him in all things. So our challenge is this, to choose a life of thanks living, of thanks living. Thankfulness is more than a feeling. It requires your action. And the how will be different for everyone in the room. The timing will be different for all of us. Maybe it's devoting part of your quiet time to a time of thankfulness. Maybe it's engaging in worship at Cornwall differently. Maybe it's starting a gratitude journal or spending part of your small group time sharing God stories. If we are children of God, and that is what we are, our response should always be rejoicing. We are called to clearly live a life of thankfulness, expressing it intentionally and without condition. And when we are spiritually thankful, when we get that right, it becomes part of our pattern and who we are and our DNA and our everyday living as a follower of Christ. We're that much closer to being Christ 
like. Tim Keller said this, it is one thing to be grateful. It's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. Through Psalm 100, David clearly lays it out for us. Praise God, come to him, his house, with thankfulness and praise. And the why? The why is that he's our creator, our shepherd, he's good and loving and merciful forever. And honestly, when it boils down to that, there really isn't a second option. Because as long as we are receivers of love and mercy, we have to be givers of thanks. Thanks. 